Love Talk Radio. This is not an ad. It's an invitation. Join Minister Rosalind Solomon each week on the new podcast, The Prophetic Mantle Radio Show. She talks about spiritual wellness and other inspirational subjects that will brighten up your day. Hey, and while you're at it, make sure you add her music to your playlist. Inspirational music by Rosalind Solomon and The Prophetic Mantle Radio Show, Food for the Soul. Music and podcast now available on Spotify. Welcome to the Prophetic Mantle Radio Show with your host, Apostle Rosalind Solomon. Every Tuesday, 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, come learn the mystery of God and be blessed in Jesus' name.
pray that, you know, they get a chance to get salvation and pray that they can recover and restore the ones who um, survived this. And pray it's not in your area or family's area in Yeshua's name that your family, you'd be safe in Yeshua's name. Okay, so here we go. Now, the word grief, okay, Father, in the name of Jesus, I bind up the atmosphere and the environment. There'll be nothing to interfere with this teaching at all. I ask my angels and the angels of the fire resource from the third heaven to protect this line and this show. And all who needs to hear this now live and in the archives will surely hear it and get the deliverance that you need them to get in Yeshua's name. And I cover this with the blood of Yeshua. Anyone who's on here right now on the computer or on the phone, you're not of the Lord. You need to hang up right now. She's going to get strike with fire in Yeshua's name. Okay. You've been warned. Now, the word grief is defined in the Webster Dictionary as emotional pain or distress. So grief is emotional pain or distress from an extreme cause as affliction or bereavement, deep sorrow, or sadness. Now, sorrow is defined in the Webster Dictionary as pain of mind from loss, disappointment, or calamity, grief, sadness, or incident causing distress or regret. Now, okay, now, um, spirits of grief that set in when mourning is not allowed to properly be. So, 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 like in the Bible in Exodus, God gave them thirty days to grieve Moses, and most of the time through the Bible, that's exactly what He did. So, if a person grieves more than the grievement time that God gives us as human beings, that's when I mean, if the person mourns longer than they should, the spirit of grief sets in. So now Genesis twenty-three two. Now it says Sarah died, right? And it says the same is in okay she was she was um who was she buried at in Hephrom I'm I'm reading from paper please excuse me because I write stuff in notebooks I write stuff in books like I got prophecies written in, in here you know so if if, if y'all hear me flushing this my my papers okay so um n- not everything is in the computer. And when I be getting these things and I write them down, I'm too lazy to go and type them up, really. I need a secretary one day. <laughs> okay, so Genesis. So I read from Genesis 23-2. So now, I believe she was uh, buried in Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Now, the word, um, like, mourn is is like uh, like kaptan. That's, that's what it's called in the Greek word. It means to tear Tear the hair and beat the breast to feel or express grief. That's what mourn means. Now, um, even Jesus himself, he wept over Lazarus when Lazarus died. Even Yeshua Jesus wept when Lazarus died because he loved Lazarus. Although he knew what was going to happen with Lazarus, he still cried. So, you know, love is deep when you love somebody, even the Messiah cried. Now, uh, he weeped over uh, Lazarus' death. It was a sign of both love for a friend and God's way of healing the emotion so that the spirit of grief would not enter. So sometimes when we're going through things and we're crying, right, although the enemy takes it as weakness, 
it's really not weakness. It's really God giving you an emotional outlet. Because sometimes some people don't have anybody to talk to. And then they do have people they could talk to, but they might not can't trust them, you know. Or if they open up to them and tell them something, you know, then and they get into an argument or disagreement, that person could bring it up and then they they risk the chance of that person telling their deep, dark secret. So many people grieve because, you know, when I talk to people and I'm praying for them and stuff, they tell me they're like, I don't have nobody to talk to or I don't have anybody to trust. You know, so many times people are in those positions where they can't trust anybody, not even their closest loved ones, or they don't have anybody to talk to but the Lord, and God is maybe not answering them right now or he's not delivering them, you know, right now. And so he gives them the emotional outlet to cry, to let the grief out. They could be in agony, stressed, frustrated, whatever the case is, heartbroken, someone, they lost a loved one, uh, excuse me, miscarriage. Some women, when they have abortions, they cry because their 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 heart, you know, like when you have a baby in your womb, you're instantly connected to that baby whether you act like it or not. So sometimes after women have abortions, they grieve because their body is grieving a loss, right? So <clears throat> God will give us tears to cry. So those who try to be strong for everyone else during the loss of a loved one without the benefits of grieving properly can be a potential victim of spiritual grief or spirits of grief. Now, they are the person is blocking their natural release of grief that will stop unreleased emotional pain from showing up in their life later through sickness or emotional addiction. So people, because there's people out there that don't cry when somebody gets uh, dies or grief, they just hold it in. And these kind of people in the long run, the spirits of grief are going to get into them, and, and, it's, and, and if it's in there too long, the spirits of infirmity will get in, and also the spirits of emotional addiction will get in. <clears throat> so this is why it's good to cry. Like, men don't like to cry, but this is why men sometimes get jacked up mentally. They get jacked up worse than we women do because they hold their emotions in. Men were not taught as children coming up to release their emotions. They weren't taught to show their emotions. They were taught to be a man, and they were taught that if a man cries or if a man shows his emotions too much, you know, he's not being a man, you know. So little boys grow up to big boys, and they believe that. So they don't release their emotions. But men and young men and little boys need to learn how to cry when they need to, when they feel like crying or when they're sad or grief or whatever they're going through. The men need to learn how to release it because this is why men have uh, problems with emotional attachments. This is why a lot of men don't want to get married anymore. I was listening to uh, the the advice show uh, with uh, Phil on it. He has a radio podcast as well. And so many black men, I mean, it was under nationalities too, but 60% of them were black men, unmarried, nice, good-looking men, good job, whole nine yards, don't want to be married because of the emotional trauma that they have gone through in life. It's ridiculous. You got so many people bound up right now because they don't know how to release their emotions. They don't know how to give their emotions to God, or they don't have anybody they could trust, or they think they don't have anybody they could trust, or they really don't have anybody physically but God, you know, and and, and, and everybody needs an outlet. Everybody needs to talk to somebody, although we have God, and the Ruach, and Yeshua, 
We as human beings, we need to soup together, as God says. But it's getting so bad, you can't really trust your own family. Sometimes you can't even trust your own spouse, depending on how it is, you know. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, my, my youngest daughter, I, I tell you, she's, she's beyond her years. Now, I could talk to her about just about anything I'm going through. And she'll listen, and she has such wise advice. And she is the baby girl. And sometimes when she's giving me advice, I'm like, did I have that child? What? And I say to her, look at you giving me advice. She was like, why can't I give you advice? You give me advice. You know? <laughs> but my other two, I talk to them, but I can't talk to them like I talk with my youngest one because she'll never tell them. But my oldest son, man, he rats me out all the time to my middle daughter. And then she rats me out to him all the time. So I'm like, okay, I know I can't trust either of you with anything that I don't want out there, you know. <laughs> so I talk to my baby daughter, and she keeps it, you know. And then she talks to me about things she wouldn't talk to her father about or anybody else, you know. And so my kids, they talk to me a lot because they know I'm not going to tell it. So, you know, everybody in me, and then I have like a Two brothers in the Lord, a couple of sisters. Actually, I got about five sisters in the Lord, and 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 I'll talk to all of them. But certain ones I don't tell certain things to, and then certain ones I do, and then certain ones I don't. You know, it depends on what it is I need to talk about. You know, and because because we all have different type of friends. We we one had one friend is one that you could talk to about anything, just about ninety percent of things. And you know it's not going to go anywhere. And then you have another friend, you could tell them maybe 50% of what you're going through. Or you could tell one friend one particular thing you're going through because you know that they got experience in that or you know how they're going to react. And then you got another friend you've been with for three, four, five years, right? And, 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 and you're going through something really, 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 really tumultuous. But you don't know how to talk to them about it because of how their characteristics are. So you keep it to yourself. So we all have different type of friends we could talk to, but some people don't have anybody to talk to. And we all need somebody to talk to. We all need somebody. God says in the Bible we are to soup together. So that means we as children of God and humans, we need we need physical formations. We need physical communications and physical relations. But the way the enemy has made the world today is very hard to find trustworthy people. Everybody's looking to make a buck. You know, and so that's another thing. When you in the ministry or you got a good career or you coming up in the, in, in, in movies or singing or books or, or, or you get more known in the ministry, right? And then you got these few friends that know some deep, dark secrets, right? And they might be disgruntled because God is using you mightily. And, and you're, look what happened to Nicky Russell. I'm going to use it for a prime example. Him and that dude, they was rolling together, you know, they were gangbangers, you know, and Nipsey got, he got picked, you know, he got fame. And this rapper guy, underground rapper, wanted Nipsey to help him. Nipsey didn't want to do it. What did he do? He killed him. He killed him. So in the ministry or in your career, they may not want to kill you physically, but they want to kill you spiritually and immorally. So you have to be very careful who you tell your secrets to. This is why... In order for you to divulge your emotional problems, you have to make sure that that person that you're using as an outlet is somebody that you could trust and it's not going to bite you in the butt later and make things worse. And this is what we're going in through today's world. You can't trust too many people today. You really can't. So you have to pray and ask God, like, God, who can I talk to about this? I know I'm talking to you. 
But who can I talk to physically? Who can I get a hug from? Who can I lay my shoulder on and cry? Let him lead you to who to talk to. And sometimes it may not be anybody to talk to. So he'll just let you lay on your own shoulder and lay on his bosom and cry. Now, um, people who are tormented, People who are tormented by grief spirits are those who do not release the grief properly by grieving and letting them go. Letting go of a dead loved one, for instance, one does not mean that you have to forsake them to death, but to their God and Father, being strong is being able to release them to God. So when someone dies, it's okay if you want to keep a memory of them. I mean, it's not good to keep their pictures around because it's a constant reminder. You know, but it's okay if you want to think about them like five, ten years go by. You might not have thought about them. Then, boom, they come up, and then you start missing them a little. That's natural, you know, but as long as you don't grieve too long. You know, and like like when my husband died, I had to get rid of everything because I found myself getting his military uniforms, getting his suits. He used to love this cologne called Armadi. Amari, and I would find myself going to the Macy's and buying it and putting it all over my bed and putting it all over me and putting it on his clothes and and fixing his clothes laying next to me as if it was him in the bed. I did this for like about six months to a year. (laughs) And I don't know, God just, you know, even, you know, I was in church back then, but I wasn't who I am today. And God always was with me, always talked to me. You know, he told me, he said, you got to stop doing that. He said, you got to give away everything that belongs to him because you have to stop grieving. You know, I was finding myself getting depressed. I didn't want to go outside. I had children. I was keeping them inside, but on the weekends they would go to the grandparents, you know, or or uncles or somebody would come and get them to give me a release. And after one year, the Lord told me, you have to get rid of all this stuff. So I got rid of all this stuff. I gave away all his clothes, all his uniforms, his shoes. My mother at that time, you know, we we were in a different space at that time. She took all the pictures of him, and she got rid of all of them, you know, and I fought that, but it was best that I did that. So once I got rid of all of his stuff, stopped buying his cologne he used to like, got rid of all his pictures, you know, I still was a little down, a little depressed, you know, but God delivered me. I didn't have to go to any doctors or anything. God delivered me from the depression himself. So maybe six months after that, you know, it I was like so much better. It's like God just, just took all that pain and grief from me about my husband passing away. And I was like a new person. And then within two years, you know, I, I was engaged to get married. You know, it didn't work out, but in two years I was engaged to get married. And and I was, like, totally over my husband, totally over. And it's been years since he's been dead. And at every blue moon um, I might have to bring him up for, for some reason or another. And it doesn't affect me like it used to. So if you allow, and I'm giving you this testimony about myself, because if you allow God to heal you, not just from anybody dying, but from losing a relationship, whether it's a man, a best friend, you and your kid, your kid ain't getting along, your husband grieving the crap out of you, or you're separated, you know, if you give God the chance to heal you, he will heal you. You'll be able to go on with your life. So you have to learn to let go and give it to God. Now, King David learned to let go of his loved ones. David sought the Lord for healing of his child, like many of us do over our loved ones, right? So we all know David spent seven days on the floor 
I guess he got up to go to the bathroom sometime, I would think, <laughs> you know, for um, him and Bathsheba's baby dying. You know, see, he didn't understand that that baby had to die because that baby was made out of adultery, plus he murdered the father. You know, so that baby was cursed. And he knew that that was the child that David would put on the throne, and if David would have put that child on the throne, the throne would have carried those curses. So God had to take that child away. God had to take to atone for what he did, you know, and then eventually Solomon came. So David, he fasted, he pulled on God for healing, but the child still died. The servants wondered how would then vex him. That's in Second Samuel 12, 18. Now David arose from the earth, lifted himself from the place of a low degree. That's the Second Samuel as well. He washed, anointed himself, put the clean, cleaning power of God, spared over the loss of his grief, pain, and sorrow. Um, these things I'm telling you is in Second Samuel um, chapter 12. Uh, David also changed his apparel. He took off his mourning clothes. He put on the whole armor of God. He came into the house of God and worshiped. David did not back away from God because of his loss, but moved closer to God. He went to his house and he did eat bread. He returned to his place of authority and rested in God. He sat, he sat bread before God and he did eat before God. So David was ready to live and not give up on life because of the loss of his loved ones. Now, 2 Samuel 12:22, and David said, while the child was yet alive, I fasted and I wept. For I said, who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? And then he said in 2 Samuel 12:23, but now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? No, I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. So when David said he shall go to him, he said that one day he knew that he would meet him again in heaven. No matter how many reincarnations lives that his son who died would have, David knew he would know him. Because in um, the, the Universal Love book, which, which to me is like a volume four of the Secret True Life book, God says in that book that um, although we have many lives and we are reincarnated many, many times, when it's all said and done, he's going to allow us to know who we were. Right now he has temporary, temporarily blocked us from knowing all our past lives because it wouldn't be good for you because let's say you was a queen or a famous person or a king or a rich person in your past life, right, and, you, and you're impoverished in this life. That wouldn't be good for you mentally. Let's say, let's say you were a murderer in your last life, a pedophile, a witch, and you and, and you living for God now. You find it, it would not be good for you mentally. So when we all pass and it's time for, you know, and it's all said and done, everything's done, salvation doors closed, nobody's coming back again, you know, and whoever's with the Lord, he's going to allow you to know who you are. You're going to actually be going to school to learn who you was, and he's going to have you doing studies and lessons on who you was. And when you come out from these lessons and studying who you was, that is what's going to make you who you truly are going to be in the heavens. That's what it says in the book, right? And he also says that we're going to meet our loved ones. Like he said, all the loved ones we had in all our different lives, we're going to know them, all your husbands, your wives, other kids you had, other mommies and daddies. You, we're going to know we're going to know each other and, and when we were in each other's lives at this time, at that time. I was like, wow, that is totally amazing. Mm. So now, um, anger toward God. Now, many people have anger toward God. Why? I don't know. Because it's not God's fault. God is only treating you the way that you're treating him. God is only giving you what you're giving him. Your life is going the way it's going because 
It's what you're showing God. It's like we writing a book of life with God. That's what God calls it, the book of life. So we're like writing a, we're writing our book with God. We're writing chapters with God. We're literally writing it with him, right? He's watching to see what you're going to do, and he's dotting it down. And then if you backtrack, change things, he goes back and change things. That's what the author does, right? So some people get angry at God. So the spirit of anger can set into a person's life if they do not understand that being angry at death or endings of any kind or because of a sickness does not mean you are supposed to be angry at God. Now, I've seen a few people get angry with God because of, of all types of things. So Satan is the one who steals, kills, and destroys, but he loves to blame God for the death and dying. And that's because no one can die unless God knows they're going to die, unless God allows the person to die. Because although we have our own will, God is the creator, and he reserved the will of death for him, okay? So Satan knows this. So Satan, you know, he takes advantage of that and tries to blame everything on the Lord. And so people get mad at the Lord when it was him that did it, and it was basically the person, you know, I'm not saying every person that dies before their time, um, died because of sin, because like I told you before, some people um, have to come back for a short span of life to um, clean up karma, like I taught y'all in my karma uh, teaching, you know, um, when I had the class, and I believe one is on YouTube. So some people have to come back, and then we have other souls that, that we all came here together, and some are at a real low level, and they'll never make it up, and so you made it, and God will ask you to come back, and you can come back as a quadriplegic, you can come back as a mentally ill person, you, the more suffering you do, the more you can bring that person up the level, I know it sounds out this, out here, but it's true, right, it's in these secret true life books, like I, I republished like four of them, you know, so, <clears throat> so, um, <clears throat> So now, like, um, for those who are angry at God, you know, you need deliverance. You need to be interceded for, you know. Um, like 1 Corinthians talks about that, 1526, and Job, here we go, to Job 2.5, okay. And, then they, and Job 2.5 and Job 2.9, verse 11. So I want you to say this prayer with me real quick. It's a short prayer, and I want you to say say this prayer with with me on a second. The papers are sticking together. <laughs> Hold on. Why are you sticking together? Oh, I was eating something, <laughs> and I turned the page. Okay, on <sighs> Okay, here we go. So you can read this. I mean, say this prayer with me. And if you want to come back in the archives, you can listen to it. In the name of Yeshua Jesus, I ask you, Father, to forgive me for being angry with you or the person who dies. Father Yahweh, heal me of the hurt and pain of the loss of my loved one, whether they died, whether it was an emotional ending, whatever the case may be. Please forgive me. And I command, in Yeshua's name, I command the spirit of anger toward you or toward my loved ones who are alive or dead to come out of me. Come out, come out, come out, and go to the feet. Of Yeshua Jesus, and it is forbidden and disallowed to ever come back or to split or to hinder or hurt me or transfer to anybody else or anywhere but to go straight to the feet of the Messiah. And I ask the Ruach Holy Spirit to fill me up from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, to the bottom of my feet, to the top of my head, my heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, where I'm vacant so it can never come back again. And I ask the Ruach of this to comfort me. 
And every time I start to feel those emotions that can open the door for this, those spirits to come back, let the Ruach of discomfort me so that that can't happen in Yeshua's name. I also command the spirit of bound and being blocked and, and being blocked from trusting in you, Father God, because you let my loved one die to come out of me now in Yeshua's name. So sometimes people get the spirit of bound, being bound and being blocked and trusting God. So you spirit of bound, you spirit of block that's preventing people from trusting in God who's listening to me on the side of my voice now or in the archives. I command you to come out of them right now and go to the feet of Yeshua Jesus. I call the angels from the third heaven with the fiery sword to cut you into pieces and force you out. You are not to transfer nor to split into more than one. I fill you with the fire to rock in Yeshua's name. You are not to transfer, hinder, or hurt anybody, but to go with the angels to the feet of Yeshua to receive your judgment. And I fill you all up with the Holy Spirit where you are vacant. And Holy Spirit, burn out any residue, poison, links, feathers, irons, anything that they may have left behind, and replace it with the fire of you, the blood of Yeshua, and the dunamis, unimus, resurrection, power of Yeshua HaMashiach, in Yeshua's name. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, bound and block mourning. Yeshua wept. In the Greek, it's called uh, Dereko. These words, man. <laughs> it's spelled D-A-K-R-U-O. It means to shed tears. Now, if Yeshua wept, what makes us think that we have to, to be so strong and not weak doing bereavement? Yeshua wept is a powerful statement to those who have lost loved ones in John 11, 35, 38. And he wept for Lazarus. <clears throat> Excuse me. So if he can weep, why can't we weep? We're supposed to weep, you know? Now, there are many... People who do not have the ability to cry when tears are not released during the time of pain or heartache, it causes the person to walk around with an emotional time bomb in them that will go off later in life. So now, <clears throat> depending on the emotional stress or trauma excuse me, <clears throat> that a person is going through, especially a woman that's pregnant, you know, when a woman's pregnant, and this is not just for someone who's pregnant, but when when a woman's pregnant, her soul, her mind, and her, her emotions are just everywhere. And that can affect the child. So if a, per, a woman got pregnant, right, and the man didn't want her to keep the baby, but she wanted to keep the baby, but the man didn't want her to keep the baby, so she felt pressure and got rid of the baby, right? She's going to go through a lot of trauma after that abortion, lots of emotional things, and that's why the demon of death comes in. Because when you have an abortion, you instantaneously get the, 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 the spirit of death and the spirit of murder because you just murdered someone in your body. Because God says when a baby comes in your womb, it's instantaneously a baby, not three months later like they try to tell you, right? So when you abort a child, you are you are a murderer for one because you're taking life, and God reserved that will for himself, right? And then you um, you are you committed death. You caused someone else to die that was innocent. So you're instantly going to get the spirit of death. It's going to get the spirit of murder. You're going to get anger. You can get depression. You get all kinds of things because women sometimes when they have abortions, they regret it after they do it. They wish they never did it, right? So that's emotional trauma. Then then when let's say a woman get pregnant. And she really don't want the baby, but she can't afford to get an abortion or she's scared to get an abortion or people pressure on to keep the baby. 
the baby is going to be born with the spirit of rejection because she rejected it initially. She didn't want it. She wanted to get rid of it. And the only reason why she kept it because she couldn't get rid of it for whatever reason. So no matter how much she loves that child, if she doesn't come to God and realize these things, that child is going to have the emotional spirit of rejection all its life, and it's going to cause so much agony on that child, so much agony and grief, right, and sorrow and pain. Um, and it will show up in their emotions later in life. You know, children um, will not understand why they feel the way they do, the origin of – and also when you do that to a child in the womb, you put them in bondage. The spirit of bondage comes. So the origin of the bondage they are feeling came in while they were in the mother's womb. Also, ask <clears throat> ask God, Yahweh, to expose to you, those of you who are listening to me, um, the area in your life that causes you, if any of you are feeling rejected, um, if you are having sorrow, pain, grief, you know, uh, whatever it is, uh, a lot of times people can't get delivered from demons of all types, especially the, the marine demons, because they carry the spirit of depression. These incubus, succubus, marine spirit demons, you got all kinds of marine demons, but they carry the spirit of depression, they carry the spirit of suicide, they carry the spirit of mental insanity, they carry the spirit of uh, murder, suicide, they carry the spirit of nervous breakdowns, they carry the spirit of um, going insane. These spirit carries these things because they don't just, by them trying to rape a person, and even not by them trying to rape you, just the, the outright torment that you have every night when you go to sleep, you know, however you're dealing with them, their end goal is to drive you insane or to drive you to kill yourself because they cannot kill you because God's not going to let them kill you because you're praying to him, you've come to him. <clears throat> Excuse me, y'all. <clears throat> you're trying to clean up your life. So God is not going to get permission to let you go to be, you know, Killed by them. So then what their next tactic is is to work with the other demons that's coupled with them to bring you insane. Because if they make you insane, how are you going to pray? How are you going to read the word? Then they could riddle you with demons and take you that way. Or they try, I was just talking to somebody the other day. I mean, powerful person in the Lord. I mean, just just powerful. And I had a vision. Of, of, I couldn't see the face, but I had a vision. And the the person killed himself in my vision, and I and I never saw a vision like that before. And I woke up and I, I was like, I rebuked that spirit of suicide. I thought it was the enemy trying to get at somebody in my family or something, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'm rebuking cancer, yada yada yada. And the Lord told me exact. This just recently happened. The Lord told me exactly who it was, and I was shocked. I was like. Nah, I'm not hearing that. Then the father said, you are hearing this, right? I'm like, no, daddy. And I was like, daddy, I have to call this person. And I immediately called them. First, first I was kind of, like, a little apprehensive. <laughs> so I, like, text the person. And I was like, are you going through this? Are you feeling it? And then I was shocked when they texted me back and told me, yes. I was like, oh. So I instantly pick up the phone, and I called them, and I'm talking to them. And I'm telling them things that God is putting in me to say. And then they admitted to me, you know, that they agreed with the enemy that maybe they should do it. And I was shocked. And I was like, after all God has done for you, and
that brought you to who you are today. Are you serious? And then, you know, it really woke me up. It really woke me up. It doesn't matter how close you are to God. No matter how strong you are in God, if you are being tormented, going through agonization, going through agony, frustration, tribulation, a severe storm, that enemy could creep in, and and the, and the, and the enemy had creeped into to, to to the loved one of God and eyes, life. And I was like, God, doesn't matter how strong a person is. That enemy is awful, awful. So, you know, by the time I got off the phone with the person, <clears throat> life was totally changed. So God had to show me a vision of this happening, which I've never seen before, for for him to let me know who it was <clears throat> so that I could go run to that person and talk to them and possibly have saved their life. And it, it, it hurt me to my heart. It would just shock me, you know, and I was like, whoa, daddy, this is, this is, it's getting hard, y'all. It's, it's, the devil is, is not playing. He is totally unfair. Unfair. If he cannot take you himself, he going to try and make you give him your soul on a silver platter. <clears throat> I prayed to God. I was like, God, please, like I ask you all the time, hold my mind. Don't ever let me get those kind of thoughts. When I was younger, I had those kind of thoughts because everybody I talked to just about when they were younger wanted to do double-pack suicides with their best friend and all kinds of stuff. It's not funny, but we, we I've talked to a lot of people, and we've all gone through this. When you break up with a boyfriend, you know, you, you're like 18 years old. You go to church, but you don't know God. You break up with your boyfriend, you think that's your whole life. Or you break up with your girlfriend, you think that's your whole life because you love them more than God. And you want to kill yourself or try and kill yourself to get their attention. We used to do these crazy things when we was kids, you know. And that, and that happened to me once or twice in my life, you know. I even had a book out of God. <clears throat> but I have to redo the book. And um, God would always talk me out of it. <laughs> The, the, the few times that I thought about it when I was younger, the Lord used to say to me, why do you want to kill yourself, Rosalind? Why do you want to take your life? You have your whole life ahead of you. Why do you want to take your life? And he would tell me, I am the author of life, and I am the giver of life, and I am the taker of life. And he would warn me and tell me, if you do such a thing to yourself, you will not be with me. That's what he used to tell me. So the few times that I thought about doing it, it went right out my head. I never thought about it again. And anybody else around me who would be talking that, talking like that, I would tell them, you can't do that because God said you're going to burn. You're going to burn in fire for a temporal time. He used to tell me that for a temporal time, and I never understood what he meant back then. And I would tell them, you know, I have a few friends that break up with their boyfriend, you know, and they want to kill themselves or attempt to kill themselves to get their boyfriend back. I said, you just might kill yourself. Then you're going to wind up in fire. So I, talk, I was being a counselor back then didn't even know it. You know what I'm saying? So everybody sometime in their life, at least 95% of the world, sometime in their life, have wanted to, to commit suicide for various reasons. And now in today's world, people are just killing themselves left and right, you know, for all kinds of reasons. And the, the signs of someone wanting to kill themselves is severe depression. That's why you got to watch your kids. 
A lot of people don't watch the children, and children want to kill themselves. Those are these children who thinking they're a boy and they're a girl, or, or they're a, a, a boy and thinking, no, wait, 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 wait. Okay, if they're a girl, think they're a boy, and they're a boy, think they're a girl, yeah, okay. And oh, they don't have no identity, or they have this third gender thing or transgender thing. These people are emotionally jacked up and riddled with demons. And then demons' ultimate goal is to eventually commit, get them to commit suicide. And children are very easy to commit suicide because, for one, they don't know a lot. They don't have a lot of experience. And um, if you blame children for things, they take it to heart seriously. So this is why people need to watch the children. One sign of suicide coming in on a child or a person, period, is depression, signs of depression or deep depression or if they're in agony, they're constantly stressed. Constantly crying, I mean just constantly crying, constantly frustrated They're alienating themselves, they don't want to go outside They don't want to have nothing to do with people They don't want to socialize um, they, they don't want to eat or they may overeat, you know Or, or they may only want to eat just junk food and not nothing else You know, deep, and, and then emotionally they're very moody One minute they're they're good and one minute they're not One minute they're angry and one minute they're not You know, moody, very moody severe mood swings, you know, um, they could disappear for months at a time, you know, but if your children are going to disappear, but they can, you know, like like in China, they have this mental disease, it's only, no, it's not China, I think it's Japan, it's only in Japan, that's the weird thing, this is how you know it's demons, right, their children get so mentally distraught from being bullied in school and stuff like that, they shut themselves in the room, and never come out. The parents bring the food to the door. They leave the kid open, get the food. When the kid finishes, she put it back out. Um, the only time they come out is to go to the bathroom. They have not been outside in two and three years. And they don't even let therapists in until maybe after three or four years. It's like, I guess, mentally their bodies get tired of being isolated. And they begin to let these therapists in. And then these therapists integrate them back into society. Now, that's severe depression. So when you, one second. So those are some of the, <clears throat> excuse me, signs of um, a person, um, of the suicide spirit trying to come in them, you know. Many people would not have committed suicide if, you know, loved ones was truly watching them or truly knowing what's going on with them. Now, um, many parents, are going to suffer in fire for not repenting when they had the opportunity because the child committed suicide. That's some real stuff. Now, um, so ask God to expose to you the areas of your life that um, you were possibly a victim or you have trauma from something or you were hurt from something and you think you were fully, fully healed but you might not have been because a lot of traumatic things that happen in an adult's life is based on something that happened to them years ago, or when they were a child, or when they broke up with somebody they really, really loved. Uh, a woman had an abortion, or a man caused a woman to have an abortion because the man feels the, the pressure of that too. You know, so sometimes we have things hidden in us we don't even know that's in us that's causing the problems that's in our lives today. And some people can't get delivered 
you you be like, God, I'm repenting for everything. I'm repenting for stuff I didn't even know I should repent for. You know, I done done this prayers and this and that fast. You know, and and God is telling, looking at you like it ain't none of that. <laughs> you you have no idea what it is, and so then you say, God, can you show me what it is? And then He'll show you some things, but and the situation changed slightly, but you're not totally delivered. And then you're like, God, why aren't you showing me? What I need to get deliverance, I find that sometimes he won't do that at that present time because you may not be ready to handle it. It may be something so traumatic that you your mind has suppressed that you can't handle it. And if he gives it to you now, it may, might make your situation worse. So he'd rather let you just do a little longer and deal with what you're dealing with until he gets you where you can handle the memory or handle whatever it is, and then break free completely because he don't want to give it to you now and you break free and then the thing comes back because you didn't fully heal over the memory. How many of you know when a memory comes back to you, when a traumatic situation comes back to you, that it's like you're living it all over again. It's like you're that little 10-year-old, 15-year-old, 20-year-old, 25-year-old, whatever it is. It's like you are living that all over again. And the enemy can attack you with that if you are not strong enough to handle it. So if you're in a situation and God's not delivering you from what you really need deliverance from, maybe whatever it is, you're not at the, the level where he needs you to be to handle it. So what you need to be saying is, okay, Father, I've been dealing with this stuff for quite some time or quite a long time or however long you've been dealing with it. And every time I ask you, you give me different answers and I get deliverance. But I don't get deliverance from what I'm asking you for. So, Instead of me constantly asking you what it is, I want to say this to you, Father, in Yeshua's name. Can you prepare me for what it is? Can you help me handle it mentally and physically, emotionally and spiritually, whatever it is? So when you bring it to me, I can handle it and be completely liberated and delivered, and it won't ever come back again because I can handle it. And then maybe he'll start to prepare you. It's, no, no, maybe he will start to prepare you for whatever it is. And then out of the blue, this memory is going to come back or whatever it is you need to know about your ancestors or whatever it is. It's going to suddenly come to you when you sleep or when you're reading the word, somebody prophesying to you or something. It's going to come back to you. And all those feelings that you had back then is going to come back to you then. And you're going to be like, that's what it is. And you're going to forgive, repent, whatever the case is. You're going to be over it, and God will deliver you. God's not a mean God, not at all. Like, I'm going to give you a quick story about Job, then we get back to this. Like Job, for instance, right? Satan tried to get Job to commit suicide. Satan tried to get Job to doubt God. Satan tried to get Job to get mad at God. Satan tried to get Job to denounce God, but Job wouldn't do it. Now, he was asking God to kill him, but he wasn't agreeing. He wasn't be like, you know what, okay, I'm, I'm a, I, I want this. I don't want to be here. You know, he, he, he didn't do that. But he was asking God to take his life, and God was like, are you the author of life? Did you create man? Did you create the earth? Did you create anything, Job, to ask me to take your life? Right? So then, say, so then Job's wife, she had a religious demon in her. She say to him, you know, why aren't you mad at God? You know, he took our kids and our wealth, right? Job rebuked her. 
Then he had three friends calling themselves coming to comfort him. And they were talking against God, too, and Job rebuked them. This is why God said before Job got delivered, he told Job, pray for your three friends, because if you don't, I'm going to zap them. <laughs> I'm going to zap them off the earth, okay, because of what they said about me. So Job had to pray for them to get delivered. And then God delivered them, delivered Job. So Job would not agree with the enemy to kill himself. He would not agree to hate God. He would not agree to doubt God. He would not agree to be angry at God. He would not agree to blame God for anything. He was confused, discombobulated. He didn't understand what he did. All he said was my greatest fear. And he didn't even realize that that's what the enemy had on him, fear. He feared losing his beautiful children and all his wealth. That's why he was able to come and afflict him. God will not send the enemy to afflict you if you are innocent, and there is nothing that you have done to cause affliction. Job had the spirit of fear, and that's why the enemy came to God and called himself challenging God for one of his righteous ones. And that's exactly what he does to us today. The enemy knows you better than you know yourself. So now, um, uh, those who who have been abused throughout their life can be bound by spirits of grief, causing their emotions to be damaged. You know, so like I already told you, some signs they're sad all the time, crying all the time. See, see, the sadness and the crying is 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 not what really brings on the, the spirit of depression and then eventually suicide. What happens is if you stay sad too long. If you cry too long, because God allows us to grieve and cry and be sad, but only for a certain amount of time. If you do it too long, then it can bring the spirit of grief. It can turn from mourning to grief. And when the spirit of grief comes, then the spirit of anxiety, depression, mental illness, emotional unbalance, anger, mood swings, and then eventually they get you so so down because what happens is your body aligns with what you speak, your body aligns with what you think, your body aligns with what your heart feels, and your body aligns with you in general. So if you are depressed, uh, bad anxiety, your emotions are bad, your body's going to get sick. Your body's going to get weak. You're going to wake up and you, you can sleep eight, ten hours, and you wake up and feel like you ain't slept at all. You're going to be tired. You know, you ain't going to want to do nothing. You're not going to have any motivation, no morale. You get to the point where you don't want to read the word. Or you don't want to talk to God. You don't want to sing. You don't want to be bothered with your family members. You know, you, you just become like this closed-in person. And that's going to bring the spirit of infirmity. Mental illness brings the spirit of infirmity. Grief, grieving too long, being depressed brings the spirit of infirmity. Agonation, being agonized too much in agony, too much pain, because too much pain can cause you agony and sorrow, brings the spirit of infirmity. And the spirit of infirmity is not just physical sickness. It's also mental sickness. It's also heart sickness. It can cause people to have heart attacks, high blood pressure, strokes. It opens your soul up for multitudes of these type of couplings of demons to come in. And they will take you over, and then the spirit of suicide comes in. That's the strong man. Over mental illness, the spirit of suicide, and then the spirit of murder and death. And then that comes in. So this is why we have to be very careful with our emotions, people. 
We have to be very careful. God says we could be sad, we could grieve, but only for a certain, he gave them 30 days in the Bible. So only for a certain time. So you lose a loved one, you break up, you get divorced, whatever the case is. You got to be like, you know what, I, I got to straighten up. I, I got to ship up or ship out. <laughs> I got to be strong. I can't be sitting up here grieving over this. This is done. It's finished. I can't bring it back. I can't bring the person back. I am still living, and the word says the living has no business with the dead. So if I keep grieving somebody, I'm having business with the dead instead of the living. So I want you to say this prayer. You can come back and listen to it if you need to. Father Yahweh, in the name of Yeshua Jesus, I break the curse of the wound of bound and blocked crying in Yeshua's name. I ask you to set me free from every spirit that is behind these manifestations. Father Yahweh, heal my damaged emotions and set them in proper order in the name of Yeshua Jesus. I cast out in the name of Yeshua Jesus blocked emotional passions of crying, bound crying, locked emotions, numb feelings, ruling spirits over these areas of my life. And I loose the spirit of you, Yahweh, to put passion, compassion, tenderness, and feelings in me that are of you in Yeshua's name. Father Adonai Yahweh, I command the tears and weeping in my life to come forth now in the name of Yeshua, Jesus. And go to the feet of Yeshua and the spirit of grief, agonization, agony, sorrow, trauma, tribulations, storm, mental unbalance, emotional unbalance, discombobulation, heart attacks, strokes, sickness, illness, Anything that comes with these spirits that's trying to cause my demise, you shall not. I command you now to come out. Come out of me. Come out of us and go to the feet of Yeshua. You are not to transfer him or hurt us or to transfer anywhere. You are not to split yourself. I seal you with the fire and command the angels from the third heaven with the fire and the angels that are around us now to take you in chains to the feet of Yeshua to be judged. And you will never come back. You are forbidden in Yeshua's name. And ask the Holy Spirit, Ruach Kaddish, to fill us up from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet, from the bottom of our feet to the top of our head, and our heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. And give us the spirit of comfort, the spirit of joy, the spirit of love, the spirit of a sound mind, the spirit of goodness and mercy and grace and strength and courage and mental strength and mental courage. Bind these spirits in us, Holy Spirit. Fill with the bloody Yeshua so they may never leave us. And none of these other spirits of the enemy will ever come back to us again in Yeshua's name. And then, Father God, I give you glory for your deliverance in Yeshua's name. Now, it is possible that when a person goes through healing in these types of areas in their life, that they will find themselves crying for a few days. So now, some of you who are listening to me now who are listening to archives, if you find yourself crying after this, don't be alerted. <laughs> it's just God letting out the residue, the leftover from the emotions, you know. Or it could be emotions that have been blocked. Um, it could be tears that have been blocked and that need to come out or sadness that needs to come out because it was blocked in you by the enemy. So don't be alarmed. So what is happening is that, 
Your bound up tears are being released. The deliverance in this area will not always come while you are listening to the sound of my voice or if you're sitting in the deliverance chair. But can't continue after you, you know, finish hearing this or if you was at a conference after you go home throughout the week, just relax and praise God for victory. So if you find yourself in the next seven days crying for whatever reason, it's okay. It's God letting out what needs to be let out, you know. So now we know we have authority to loose, like it says in Matthew eighteen eighteen. So binding, like, okay, in the name of Yeshua Jesus, any spirit to anyone who's listening to me at the sound of my voice, that are refusing my authority that's invested in me from Yeshua HaMashiach and from the Father from the first heaven, in Yeshua's name, I bind you and I bound you until further deliverance has happened with the people under the sound of my voice. You are not to activate, reactivate, nor open portals in this person to let anything back in because I fill them up with the Holy Spirit fire and the blood of Yeshua. And you are, your your assignments have been null and voided out by Yeshua. You are bound and bind. You cannot move until they get further deliverance from the Father in Yeshua's name. <clears throat> Joshua did this. He bound up demons. Uh, you can read Joshua 10, 17, 18 when he bound up that king. <laughs> now, Joseph had a stone. I mean, Joshua had a stone rolled over the mouth of the cave, and he put the king in the cave, and he loosed angels to guard that king in the cave until he came back and destroyed the people, and then he came back and he got the king, and he destroyed the king. So, all of you who are ministers or you want to be ministers or you're working in deliverance, when you are casting demons, what God is using to cast out demons, you could be rest assured that it is probably somewhere in there, okay? So you would have to bind them up and bound them up until further deliverance is done. You know, so so when you say you are bound up or bound bind up until further deliverance, you're saying they're definitely bound up until they get to until like they can't function in the person. You know, they're like sitting ducks <laughs> until until the person gets deliverance again. You know, a lot of people don't do that no more. And when I used to go and get deliverance, you know, and people would cast demons out of me, I would have to put the Holy Spirit in my own self. <laughs> I mean, really. I'd be like, God, you sent me here to get deliverance, and then they don't even fill me up with the Holy Spirit. I have to do it myself. And then, you know, when I'm at the conference and I'm sitting there and I'm watching other people get deliverance, I, I, I'm actually sitting there under my breath saying, Holy Spirit, fill them up. Holy Spirit, fill them up. Because the person who is delivering don't say anything. You have to fill a person up after you cast out demons with the Ruach. You have to. Because if you don't, they're vacant. They're vacant. Sometimes them demons get cast out. And there's nothing. I, I would watch these pastors deliver people. They they wouldn't tell the demons where to go. They would just say, come out. Come out in the name of Jesus. Come out in the name of Jesus. Right? But you got to tell the demons where to go. This is for people who are in the ministry who are thinking about it. You have to tell them where to go. And I'm not telling them to go to the abyss. <laughs> I'm not telling them to go to Shoel. I'm telling them to go right to the feet of Yeshua because that is the ultimate one they're going to deal with anyway. And I ask angels to make sure they go there. I send the fiery angels from the third heaven plus any angels that's around that person to, to the feet of Yah. And I forbid them to come back. And I forbid them to, to transfer or, or to split to make it more difficult to be delivered. I don't, I don't hear too many people doing this anymore. That's the correct way of doing it. This is how God told me to do it. It's right in his word. It's in his Bible. 
people I used to roll with back in the day from Ghana, they taught me how to do this. But you don't hear this in American churches too much. They just cast out the demon. Personally, the demon waiting, waiting right at the front door. They're like, all right, all right, he or she just cast me out. But they ain't tell me where to go. They ain't fill you up with the Holy Spirit neither. So I'm going to squat on your butt. I'm going to sit right out here in this bench chair at this front door. As soon as you come out, I'm jumping right back in you. I'm telling you, that's the honest of the Lord truth. You have to tell them where to go. And you have to fill up the person with the Ruach. And then you got to tell them, you know, if they got fake hair, makeup, crazy jewelry, sexy clothes, seven in shoes, smoking, drinking, shacking up, boyfriend, whatever. You have to tell them. You got to stop this because it's going to bring them back. And when they come back, they're going to come back with seven more words. You're going to be in more trouble. You may not make it out. You got to be honest with people. You can't be scared. They're going to get mad at you. Who cares if they get mad at you? They're going to love you later. They're going to love you later. So you got to be real with people. You know, that shacking up ain't good. You got to get married. If you ain't right for each other, you got to split. If, if it's not who God wants, you got to split. Sometimes it's heavy sacrifices you got to give up for God. Heavy burdens you got to lay on Yah. Take big yokes and give them to Yah. And take his yokes that are light. His bur- yokes are good, his burdens are light. Sometimes we have to do that. Now, damage emotions and physical body. Palm 6, verses 6. It says, I am weary with my groaning all the night. I make my bed to swim. I water my couch with tears. Palm 6.6. 6. Palm 6.7. My eyes is consumed because of grief. It waxes of old because of all my enemies. There's also um, a, a, a scripture in there that talks about the bones. Your bones are waxed. Because when you have these damaged emotions and all of these things I'm teaching you guys, it gets in your bones. It gets in your bone marrow. You um, ever known people who are depressed and they have body aches, the whole body is aching. They ain't done nothing, you know, nothing where their body should be aching, but they feeling down or you feel And when people are stressed or frustrated or angry, you know, they wake up and their bones is hurting. That's because these grief spirits come with infirmity. And they will get in your body, and they will do these things to you. You see some old people, they can barely walk, but they're bent over real bad, always in pain. And, 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 and medicine ain't working, going to the doctor ain't working, prayer ain't working, because they got to let go of the grief. They got to get their emotions intact. Or let go of the anger. This is why people get cancer, because of anger and unforgiveness and bitterness. Because anger, unforgiveness, and bitterness will eat you up like cancer. Eat you up. I cannot tell you the people that God has used me to heal of cancer. He used me to heal a woman from four-stage cancer. And another man fell out the chair because he had cancer in his pancreas. He fell out the chair. We seen him. Knocked him right out the chair. Oh, he's the Holy Spirit knocked me out the chair, and he got up and said, I'm healed. It was like, praise God. Then I knew another man, he had cancer on his right side. God healed him, healed him. And every one of them, I said to them, who is it you are bitter against? Who is it that you don't forgive? Who is it you're angry with? And they sit there and they tell me. And I tell them, you got to let it go. you got to repent wholeheartedly else God's not going to heal you. And the moment they do that, he heals them. He heals them. I've seen God do so many healings instantaneously. Then I've seen him do healings that take some time. It depends. It depends. So now, so you know anybody with cancer, you know, or flesh-eating diseases, 
you know, uh, fibroids and cysts and all of that stuff, that stuff comes from anger, unforgiveness, and bitterness. Because you got to understand something. When you get cancer or flesh-eating diseases, thyroids and cysts, these things eat at you, right? They eat at you. So when you get these kind of diseases that eat at you, it's because that anger and that bitterness and unforgiveness is eating at you. So you're going to get those kind of diseases that eat at you. And in order to stop them at eating at you, you have to let it go. Now, in verse 6, the psalm writer is saying he is worthy with his groaning. It is possible to weep so much that the body becomes weary. The Greek word is called yaga, Y-A-G-A. It means to gasp, to be exhausted, or toil because of grief and sorrow. Grief and sorrow can make you exhausted. It can make you, let me tell you, body exhaustion is bad. But when you have mental exhaustion, that is the worst. When your mind is mentally exhausted, that is the worst. That's the head. That's the anointing. And if that is exhausted, the rest of you is in trouble. Now, tears and crying are a healthy part of man's emotions, like I told you. But if you do it too much or too long, it's unhealthy. But when a person becomes so grieved and hurt that they cry night after night, day after day, they can open the door to the spirit of infirmity and emotional damage spirit. Proverbs fifteen thirteen: a merry heart maketh a cheerful contentance. Contentance means faith. Because, like, when you read some of these songs and it says, God, please have your contentence upon me, you're saying, God, please have your face upon me. So Proverbs 15, 13 says, A merry heart maketh a cheerful face, but it's saying the word contentence. But my sorrow of the heart is broken. Now, in order for the spirit of depression to set up its destruction of the physical body, it has to get a man or woman so full of grief and pain that his or her spirit becomes so broken. Then the spirit of infirmity will work on the body to cause ill health and even death. This is why some people have strokes, heart attacks. I mean, people have heart attacks because they don't eat right as well or, you know, too, too big, you know. But a lot of times it's due to stress, frustration, agonization, being in agony, trauma, um, anger, unforgiveness, and bitterness. And but some people can even die of the spirit of jealousy because some people get so possessed and obsessed over somebody's stuff or looks or beauty, you know, they begin to hate them for it. And they want them out of their sight so the spirit of murder comes. And then sometimes the spirit of suicide comes because they don't want to face what they got to go through. Like there was a lady, and um, please pray for this lady. I can't tell you her name, but I spoke to her maybe two weeks ago. Her um, daughter's boyfriend, the baby, I think he had AHAD, and he was nine, and the boyfriend was constantly beating beating the baby. And... And and the daughter knew it and was letting the mother know. And the mother was trying to, the grandmother was trying to do something about it, but the daughter, I guess she was scared, I don't know. So he eventually killed that baby. And at first he didn't know he did it, but when they realized he did it, he turned around and killed himself. Killed himself. So then why would he beat that child? That child was innocent. And then why would he kill him? Because he had emotional problems. And his grief inside of him, whatever that was that he had, was so strong, the spirit of murder came in. And the spirit of suicide came after. This is why we got to check our emotions. And when you got kids and you're not married, 
you got to be careful what man you let in your child's life or what woman you let in your child's life because that may be the murderer that's going to take your child's destiny or take yours. You gotta be very careful. Women today, they don't take their time with men at all. They just so busy wanting a man. Or they just want somebody to take care of them and their kids. Or they just want somebody to lay with. You know, or they just don't want to be lonely. Or they want to be with somebody for the sake of for sake of for sake. And you hear about these boyfriends killing, even, and you hear women sometimes too, but it's more so men, killing these women's children. And now the woman lost her children for it. She had two other kids. And she lost her kid. So what did Satan do? He snuffed out a child's destiny. He snuffed out a man's destiny. Took the other two from the mother so he broke up a family completely. They will never be the same again. Never. All because she didn't take the time to get to know this man. And then shacking up with him. Going against the laws of God. Going sinning. And this is what she got. All in the span of one year. She just buried the little boy in December. So pray for her heart and healing. All in the span of one year, y'all, based on one choice, the wrong choice. So that's not enough to wake people up. I don't know what it is, especially women. Women got to stop being so hard up for a man. Let y'all be your man. For however long y'all need to be your man. Let y'all be the father to your kids if the daddy ain't around and he ain't he acting a fool or he dead and going. Let y'all be the daddy. It's not wrong with being alone sometimes. It's not wrong with raising a child, you know, by yourself if you have to. It's nothing wrong with not having sex for years at a time if, if need be. It's nothing wrong with not having somebody laying next to you for a period of time of your life because probably that's the best time of your life for God to get to you. Women have to learn how to be strong and stop being weak, thinking they need a man to complete them. You don't need a man to complete you. You need Yahshua to complete you, not a man. The man comes after Yahshua, Yahushua completes you. Now, in order for the spirit of depression to set up its destruction, like I said, a physical body, it has to get, you know, a person... Soul full of grief, and then the spirit of infirmity will come and work in the body and cause a sickness. Now, modern language, I mean, this is the name of the Bible called Modern Language Bible. A lot of y'all didn't know about that Bible. You could Google it. Um, it's in Proverbs 15:13. It says, A happy heart makes the face look sunny, but in grief of a heart, the spirit is broken. So if you're grieving in your heart, right, no matter how happy you try to play, Somebody's going to pick up on that grief. Everybody might not pick up on that grief, but somebody who is spiritually inclined is going to see behind that mask smile and see your grief. They may not say nothing to you, or they may just pray for you in silence, or they may come to you and be like, are you okay? Are you going through something? You know, I'm sensing something. No, the Lord is showing me, you know, and then the person may open up. You never know, right? So now when a person is under the spirit of grief, it will show up in their face. Like they'll have like a like a blackish face. Sometimes they look like they'll have a pale, palish bluish or palish reddish look to their skin. Even if you black and dark or black and light, you'll have a palish pink look or a palish red look or even palish blue look or blackish look in your face. 
That is a sure sign that that person is grieving about something. And that also means that you're looking at the spirit of death pining away due to grief of the heart. So when a person is grieving in their heart that bad, where you see blackish in their face, pinkish or palish blue or palish red in their face, that means that the spirit of death is working on their heart, pining and eating away at their heart. I mean, granted now, some people could just look pale because, you know, they could be sick, um, they could have a lot on their mind that could cause that, you know, they could be under stress, um, they could be pressured because they got a lot of things on their plate, they could be frustrated. But if you constantly see that on their face, like every time you see them, that's the spirit of death pining in their heart, eating their heart, literally. And that's when you got to make a move. And you got to be like, God, leave me on how to talk to this person and ask them what's going on in their life because of this look on their face. Now, if you just see them and they got it like once or twice, it's just stress or whatever, frustration. You can still say something to them like, are you stressing? You're frustrated? You need to talk? You need help? You know, but if you like a week or two going by and they, they, they just always looking like that, that's the spirit of death pining and eating at the heart. And they need 911 counseling and help instantly. This is why we got to pay attention to our loved ones. You know, I mean, we can't pay attention to all of them because all of them are not always around us. You know, we all live in, live in different states and everything. So what you have to do is you have to depend on the guidance of God. Like I ask God all the time, Lord, where's my kids going through that they're not telling me? And he'll literally show me a vision. Or sometimes I'll even ask him and he'll show me a vision or he'll tell me, so-and-so, and then I'll call him and I'll say to them, the Lord told me this. And they're like, yeah, ma, yeah, ma. So many times the Lord was like, call your son, your daughter, whatever. They need some money. And I'm like, Lord, I just gave them some money. And they grown. They need to start giving me money. <laughs> but they need their mother. You know, one time I, my son made me mad. He made me so mad. So to keep me from blacking off, blacking on, blacking out on him, <laughs> and coming out of my godly self, I told him, I said, "Look, I'm telling you, bye, click." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hanging up on him. So I, I literally blocked his number. I really did do that. How angry he made me. I blocked his number for a whole month. He emails me. Ma, you blocked me. I didn't block you. Why you blocked me? <laughs> and so I text, I emailed back. I told him, I said, look, right now, we need not talk. I need time to heal. I need time to get over myself. Give me some space. So he emails me back. He's like, okay, Mommy, I'm sorry. I didn't mean what I said. I don't know what came over me. Blaming it on the devil, right? I didn't know what came over me, Mommy. I, I, I love you. And then, so then I emailed back, and he goes, well, just keep me in prayer, Mommy. So I let him stew for three more weeks, and then I called him. Uh, he answered the phone on the first ring. He was so happy to hear from me. He was like, Mommy, let's not ever get mad like that again. I don't want you to block me ever again. <laughs> he was shocked that I blocked him. He was shocked. I was shocked I blocked him, too. That's how mad he made me. He was shocked, but it taught him a great lesson. Ever since then, oh, he's just as sweet as he want to be. He watches what he says. He don't come out his neck speaking the wrong way. 
he's much more respectable. Because sometimes you got to do things like that with your kids. Sometimes you got to show them tough love. I knew he was okay. I mean, I had his roommate phone number. He talks to uh, my oldest daughter a whole bunch. You know, so I knew it was fine because my oldest daughter was telling me stuff, telling me his business, because she just got big mouth, telling me his business. <laughs> so I knew it was okay, and then I would pray to God and ask him how's my son doing, and God would show me a vision. So I knew it was fine. So you know, I knew if anything was wrong, I would have known about it. But sometimes you have to show tough love to your kids when they start talking at their neck the wrong way. You know, sometimes you got to show them tough love and show them, look, you're going to respect me. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to talk to me that way. And if I tell you no, you're going to accept my no and keep it moving. You know, so I have no issues with them anymore. Praise God. And I pray that it will continue to stay that way and the devil will not try to get in the midst of things anymore. So keep me and my son in prayer. <laughs> okay, so now, um, bone disorders because of grief. Proverbs 17:22. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dry up the bones. So if your spirit is broken, it's going to dry up your bones, literally. It's going to dry up the fat and the bone marrow out of your bones. Now, Proverbs seventeen twenty two: a cheerful heart makes a good cure, but a broken spirit makes the bones dry up. Didn't I just tell you that? Now, Proverbs seventeen twenty two again in the, in the Revised Bible, a cheerful heart, is a good medicine, but a downcast spirit dries up the bone. So God is telling you, if your spirit is broken and weak and downcast and trodden by the enemy, it's going to dry up all the fat and bone marrow in your bones. And once that happens, your bones become dust. Like when a person dies and they're six feet under, and maybe six months later, you could pull the body up and the bones will still be there. You may still find some bone marrow, but the bones will be coming apart, cracking left and right, because the majority of the bone marrow, all the fat, is gone. So why grief affects the bones could be answered in understanding what the word bone means in the original Hebrew text. Bones in Hebrew is spelled E T. S-E-M or A-T-S-A-M. It's the substance or self to bind fat or be powerful. So God is telling us the fat in our bones, which is the bone marrow, is powerful. And once you lose that, you lose the structure of your body. There's no more validity in your body because your bone skeletal is is what's holding your your urinary tract, your 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 spleen, your spine, your organs, your tummy stuff, you know, uh, your lady parts, man parts, you know, whatever, whatever. It's holding all of those organs and mechanisms and mi- macro dots and blood and veins and all kinds of stuff in you. So if there's no more fat, Bone marrow in the bone, it's not going to be able to hold up your organs because, believe it or not, your organs weigh a lot. You could be 100 pounds and you, you, half of you, your organs could be 50 pounds, half of you. Your organs weigh a lot. So if your bones don't have any more bone marrow fat in them to hold your your organs, you will collapse. You will collapse. You will collapse. This is why when someone breaks their leg, you know what I'm saying, or they get crippled, from an accident or whatever, right, it's because the power and the structure of the bones have been degraded and broken, and it's, it, it, it's irrepla- irre- irre- irreplaceable and cannot be fixed without the intervention of God. So they wind up in a wheelchair. Or if a person breaks their leg, they got to be in a, a cast for, what, six, 
some people six weeks, eight weeks old. Why is that? Because the bone and the bone marrow needs to adjoin together and restructure itself together. So so that cast is holding it where it cannot be injured or be moved out of place. Without the cast, it would not heal right. The person wouldn't be able to walk again the right way or use their arm the right way. And if you get injured and you take too long to get to the hospital, to get this uh, cast put on you, you can permanently injure your hands or your leg, whatever it was that was hurt, and it will never set back the way it was. So our bones are very important. So now if the bone is the substance of self, they will be affected when our spirit is broken. God created man in such a way that his spirit will sustain his infirmity and keep the bones healed. Now, Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and marrow, which is the fat of the bone, and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. So God basically is saying to you, he is that powerful that he can strike your bones and tear you up, <laughs> tear you up from limb to limb, and you'll be no more. Now, the word of God has to divide the soul and spirit because the soul can destroy a person through the emotions. So sometimes, maybe me and you, we never know. You know, God might have had to split our soul from us for a second to get us healed. Because your soul holds grief just like your heart does. But your heart can be healed quicker than your soul can. The soul grief takes longer because there's soul ties, there's covenants, there's trauma you need to remember. Uh, you could be going through agony, agonation, all kind of frustration. You know, um, you could be carrying trauma of somebody that you slept with, you had a bitch sleeping with, and they had trauma in them that you didn't know about. When you slept with them, you became one, and everything transferred to you. You could be carrying trauma from the mother's womb. You could be carrying trauma from your bloodline, your lineage, your generation. Um, it's all kinds of things that could be in your soul, you know. So sometimes God will have to literally split us from our own soul. We won't even know the difference, you know, to heal your heart and to heal your body. And then God can work on the soul as he has split it from you himself. Sometimes we don't even have to uh, say certain things, break certain soul ties or curses. Sometimes God will do it for us because it's that strong. And he doesn't want to risk us having to go through it again. So he'll take take it out and wipe it from you, and you'll never remember it again. I remember this prophet. He a famous prophet. He comes on the Word Network. I cannot remember his name, but he came to a friend of mine's church back in 2011, I believe. It was December 2011. And he, and he had been there five weeks, and this was his last week, and I just found that he was there for my friend. So I took me and my mentor, Dr. Judy, and somebody, to, to, uh, oh, the guy across the street from me, um, he hadn't got a job in three years, so I took him. So, you know, after he laid hands on him, where, where I got a job at, I wanted to get him a job. And then Dr. Judy got healed from some, some tumors and ulcers in her body, and I forgot what happened with the other person, and I got some deliverance. And he told me, and i never forget this, he said, there are things that happen to you in your life, trauma, but God, and he said, but God is going to completely wipe it from your memory. He said, because he does not want you to remember it. I was like, wow. And that stuck with me to this day. So, you know, when I started learning things about God, 
it would bring me back to what he said. And I was like, that's what he meant. So God splits your soul. You don't even know it. He splits it from you, and he works on it, and he heals it, and he takes things out of you that he don't even want you to remember. Um, now, that's deep. He's telling us this in Hebrews 4.12. So also when the emotions are drastically upset, they will later break the spirit of a man and then process, pro- proceed to cause physical damage. This is why David said that at his bones were vexed because of his enemies. The word of God has to discern the thoughts and intent of the heart, or else man's destructive thoughts will cause untold damage to his spirit, soul, and body. You can grieve your spirit. Do you know when you when you grieve your spirit, you make your spirit weak, and if you make your spirit weak, you become weak, and you are very vulnerable when you sleep at night. This is why some people can be killed in their sleep and wake up and, I mean, you know, the next day and they're dead. This is, this is why. Now, Psalm 6, 2 says, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me. Heal me for my bones are waxed. Weak, the definition of weak in Hebrew is spelled A-M-A-I. It means to drop or be sick. Grief can cause weakness in the body. Droop, D-R-O-O-P, means to bend downward as far as from weakness or exhaustion to languish from grief or other causes. David's body was weak and drooping because of sickness that was caused by his enemies attacking him. This could be the reason spirit of infirmity lost in the backs of some people and caused them to have a hunched back or, or crooked back. Hunch back or crooked back. Now, many of you knew that I used to have scoliosis because I've said this testimony about eight times. I had scoliosis uh, when I was turning almost 14. They was going through the state of New Jersey where I'm from, and they was going to different schools, and I was the only one in my school that had it. And I was the first person. I, I was it was in the news, but I checked. It's not it's not Google anymore. <laughs> but I was like the first person to have this surgery that they had before when they found out people had scoliosis, which is like being hunchback. So like my back was hunched over, but not real bad, and I just had a big old hump on my right side, and and you could see it, but it wasn't bad, you know. And my parents didn't know what it was. And so uh, people who used to have that, they would put a springboard in their back, and they would find that after a while the springboard would, would pop loose out of the spine and it would make the person crippled and worse, right? So I was the first one that ever got the heron bone rod, a real rod made of metal, you know, steel, stuff like that, right? And they put it in my back, and I couldn't walk I couldn't walk. They had to put a cast on me, so I had a cast on my neck, and it covered like half my booty. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I was able to go TT and stuff, but you know, that was difficult at times. And so, you know, after four and a half months, they took that off and they laid me on a, a table that that had an opening but had a, a spring where they could just paste this thing on me because I was I couldn't walk without this cast. So nine months came, took it off. I could not walk. I had to learn how to walk all over again because I had such a heavy rod in me. And usually it takes a person 
at that time, it's so advanced now, but at that time, it takes a person two months to walk. I was walking in a week. That was the strength of God. Walking in a week and went home uh, the following week. Normally, you're into in getting the therapy for two months. I was out of there in two weeks. That was the strength of God. So I couldn't do any sports. You know, when I was in the cabinet, I couldn't go to school because I would have to sit at the edge of the chair. It was very comfortable, uncomfortable. So eventually, I had to stay home. But um, after I had the surgery, I you know I couldn't do sports. I could, couldn't run. If I bent over too far, I would get dizzy and pass out from the weight of the ride, you know, it was a lot of things I missed out on as a kid, you know, um, I was told I could never have children, <laughs> but I had them, but they were very difficult pregnancies, very, very difficult, but I had them, and I was determined to have children, right, and I had them, so I went many, many years, you know, whenever it rained, my back used to hurt so bad, I would have to lay in a bed, I've lost, I lost a few jobs because of it. You know, I mean, sometimes it was excruciating, you know, my back used to itch constantly, you know. Um, so then one day in 2011, winter time, 2011, I think it was like March, February, March, I was watching a Sid Roth show. There was a man on there, and he said, there's a woman right now that's watching me that's been praying to God to give you a spine. Oh, tears busted out my eyes because I have been praying for years even when I was a sinner, I was praying to God because I knew he could do it, right? Because this lady told me a long time ago that God has a room in heaven that has all types of body parts and everything, right? So he said, God said, you've been praying to him for a long time to give you a spine. And he said, say this prayer with me and believe and it shall happen. I said it, right? Um, I had to have, um, I was having weight loss surgery, you know, and I had to eventually take that out. But I had weight loss surgery the following year. And when before you do weight loss surgery, they do like a complete body scan of you through the X-ray. So I'm looking at the X-ray for this this herringbone rod, and it's not there. And and I checked with the doctor, and it wasn't there. I had a spine, y'all. And every since then, my life has been totally changed for the better. <laughs> and I praise God, God for me for my new spine. I praise God. It took years. But he did it. And you know why he did it? Because in 2011, 2010, I had regained my life to him. And I started living a better life and getting deliverance. And he finally gave me the spine. See, he couldn't give it to me before because I was a sinner. Although I was in church, I was a sinner. But I, when, the moment I decided not to be a sinner anymore, reestablished my life to him through Christ, Yeshua, he did it. This is why... When I pray for people, he heals them the majority of the time because my faith is, like, through the roof because I know what he did for me. Also was in a car accident, dislocated my shoulder. The person didn't have insurance, so I had to wait on the state, and they only awarded, um, like, thirteen grand, but the lawyer got, like, 5000 of that. And then the surgery alone was three different doctors when it came to twenty two grand. So nobody had the money to pay these doctors, so I was just in agony. And they gave me therapy for a couple of months later, but that was it. It got so bad I couldn't even lift the hand up, my left hand up, to, to do anything, to reach for anything, to comb my hair. It was as if I was just paralyzed. Then one day I was laying on the bed, I think it was in March 2012, just before, I think January 2012 before I went to school in Virginia. And I'm laying on the bed and I'm sleeping. And then and I would wake up from such excruciating pain. And I'm telling you guys this because emotionally it was jacking me up. 
was jacking me up. Both times was just jacking me up. I was so emotionally distraught. It was just affecting my life. And so I'm laying on the bed and I'm crying. I'm like, God. <laughs> it was like the type of agonizing crying, right? I said, God, I need you to heal me. I don't got $22,000 to pay for a surgery. I can't live like this. And I prayed. I cried myself to sleep. I woke up a couple of hours later, got up, and was doing stuff with my left hand and didn't even realize. I went to the cabinet, was pulling out something to cook, and I used my left hand. And I realized it. I'm like, wait a minute. So I was, like, lifting my hands up, my hand, my left hand, I'm moving it. No pain. I didn't hear the bone crack and move like I used to hear it. Went to the doctor, healed. Healed. He healed me of breast cancer. I had breast cancer. It runs in my family. And my doctor and my daughter's like, no, mom, you're not healed. You got to go to the doctor. I'm like, no, I'm healed. He told me, go and get your oil and put it on you and pray, and I will heal it. He did, and he put me in a deep trance, put me to sleep. I fell asleep in 2015. I had even made a video about it. Fell asleep in the chair. Woke up four hours later. Looked and the lump and, and the little pee thing that was there, gone. Call all my family. They all happy except for my daughter. No, you got to go to I said, God healed me. And here I am almost five years later. And all three times that I went through this, my emotions were through the roof. It was tormenting me, affecting my life really bad. I think the enemy was trying to, to, trying to take me out. When I fell down the stairs, they told me I wasn't going to be able to go to Georgia because it's going to take 10 to 15 days for stuff to heal. I said, I, I tell you what, I'm going to be back here in five days. You're going to take these stitches and these staples out. I went back to that, that hospital. They saw me, and they looked, and they were shocked. The man could not believe how it had healed. And he took the stitches and the staples out, and I was on the plane two days later coming to Georgia. Coming to Georgia. Why? Because I prayed. I said, God, you you have ordained for me to go to Georgia for whatever reason. The enemy tried to kill me or tried to cause me to have a stroke to prevent me from going. I said, so you have to heal me. I told them in five days I'm coming back, so you have to honor what I said, and he did it. Why do he heal me? Because of my radical faith. Why do he give women wound, babies in their womb and heal people of cancer and give people new hearts and stuff when it comes to this ministry? Because of my faith. The person doesn't even have to have it. If I have it, I have enough for that person. It was a lady in the class last month. She had all kinds of issues. Prayed for her. The next day she emailed me and told me she was completely healed. Another lady, some kind of cancer, gone. I just got a couple of testimonies the other day. Uh, the girl couldn't, um, she, she couldn't do something, and now she could do it. And if somebody got a house and a few people got jobs, they come on Facebook and tell me. So it's like even if the person, and, and you guys could be the same way. You have this radical faith for God, and anybody you pray for, they don't even have to have as much faith, but your faith, faith a lot for theirs. And God will heal them based on you because of your faith and your relationship with him. Do you know people who go years and not have breakthroughs and meet somebody like you or I? And we pray for them they get a breakthrough. Why? Because God is not only honoring them, but he's honoring us. We 
we are the vessel he used. We are a clean vessel, an anointed vessel, filling with the oil and the fire of the Holy Spirit. And that person could still have multitudes of sin in their life, but God will heal them anyway based on you. And by God healing them, it will bring them to the fortitude and will bring them into the repentance of sin and change their life. I've seen it happen so many times. And it has everything to do with emotions. Now, uh, David's, like I told y'all, David's body was weak and drooping because of sickness that was caused by his enemy attacking him. This could be the reason spirits of infirmity lodged in the backs of some people and caused them to have hunchbacks. So now, I was born with a hunchback. Why? Cursed from the mother's womb. <laughs> from my mama's womb. She had, my mama, my mama had a lot of stuff going on with her back then. I, I remember so many things when I was a child. She had a lot going on back then, you know, and she was carrying a lot. So when she had me, she was carrying a lot. And she didn't want me. She tried to get rid of me. But back in those days, abortions were very, very hard. And everywhere she went, you know, I was told these stories by my aunties and my father. Everywhere she went, she was blocked. <laughs> God was like, no, she's, this one's coming. <laughs> so, you know, I was born with the spirit of rejection. I was born with the spirit of not being wanted by my mother. I was born with the spirit that my mom didn't love me the way she should. And it was it was like that in my entire life because she never wanted me. She wanted my brothers, but she never wanted me, you know. So I suffered. So, you know, I was born with that thing on my back. No one in my family has never had that. It was because of a curse from my mother's womb, from what my mother was going through. So when you're pregnant, you got to be very careful you know, you need to go get deliverance. As soon as you find out you got a baby, you need to go and get deliverance. If you even thought about having an abortion, you need to repent of that before that child is born. You need to get clean before that child is born. Because if you don't get clean, the spirits that are fused in the womb will infuse the child will be born with the child. If you get clean before the child is born, the demons will have to unfuse and come out, and the child will be clean. Because if you don't, it would affect your children. This is why a lot of children today and a lot of adults who were once children are jacked up, dying and going to hellfire. Don't know if they're a boy or a girl. Calling themselves a it, a wit, whatever. That comes from emotional unbalance in the wound of the mother. Stuff starts in the wound. People just don't come out of the wound and decide one day to be homosexual or be a lesbian or be a murderer. It's something that was infused in them. As a child, they don't come out being pedophiles out of the blue. It is a hereditary curse somewhere in the family. Everything starts with the womb. And even before you get in the womb, Satan can take you to court before you even get in your mother's womb. Satan can marry you to an incubus, suck up his demon before you get in your mother's womb because it's hereditary in your family and the demon owns you. And it will marry you before you even get in your mama's womb. Satan could put the death spirit on you before you get in your mama's womb because the spirit of death is in your family. Satan could put a bar injunction on you. You'll never get married because that's the, that's the spirit that's in your family. Nobody gets married. He could put the spirit of infirmity on you because that's in your spirit. Whatever is in your bloodline, your lineage generation, he could take you to court in the heavens and put it on you before you get in your mother's womb. He can also transfer you. You could be ready to go to Canada in a, in a woman's womb, but because of karma and things you did in your past life, his immigration system, which he has one, can send you to Timbuktu instead. And all your goodness and angels and everything you're supposed to have in Canada went to Canada, but you went the other way. That's in my book called The Antichrist Kingdom, The Secret to um, the Kingdom of Darkness, 
which is the ebook on Barnes and Noble, four hundred something pages. It's ten dollars. Uh, you could go to www.prophetic uh, voice of Yeshua's ministry. I think it's in my link under here, and and scroll all the way down. You're gonna see like twenty something links, and that Barnes Noble link is there. You learn about his immigration system. He can restructure your whole life. He can give you parents that you weren't meant to have. So if he give you parents you weren't meant to have, you will have children that you weren't meant to have. <laughs> you will marry who you weren't. Everybody in your life will be people you were never meant to meet. That's the honest to God truth. So now. Um, what time is it? Okay. So now, test the, um, wait a minute. God, God gave me this answer. So now, not everyone who talks about, um, talks about us. Like, you know, sometimes when people talk about you real bad, it doesn't mean that they can curse you all the time through your back, through backbiting and through criticism. But those who we feel a deep emotional tie to can curse you. So much so that their opinion makes a big difference in our life. So, you know, people coming after you, I'm not talking about witches, because witches will try and curse you too. But if you are a child of the Most High God, no weapons formed against you will prosper, and any curse that tries to curse you will go back to the sender, okay? Uh, but you still have to be diligent in life. You still, you know, got to live right, do your warfare prayers and stuff like that. So, like, a person who doesn't know you that well and they backbite you, you know, criticize you, they're not really cursing. If anything, they're cursing themselves because they're putting their mouth on the anointed one of God. But somebody who's really close close to you could curse you because they have an emotional tie to you. Like, if somebody told you they can't stand you and they hate you and you don't know them, you'll laugh at them and be like, you know what, I don't care. But if your husband or your mama or somebody close to you came and said to you, I hate you, you would seriously take that to heart. Why? Because you have an emotional tie with them. You have an emotional bond with them. You have an emotional history with them. You care about what they say. You care about how they feel. So it will affect you mentally and cause you to grieve. So now those who have been put down or belittled so much in life or have a low self-esteem because of hurts and pains caused by backbiters can be attacked this way. Now, Notice the terms that I use for those who are causing pain by the things they say behind our back. Now, you know how sometimes somebody's talking to you and, you and they just be on you. You'd be like, I wish they would just get off of me, get off my back, leave me alone, go away. <laughs> you know, and, or, or, or this is a good one we need to stop saying because God told me this a while ago, and I used to say, I was good for saying this. I used to say, you know what, y'all getting on my nerves, or you getting on my nerves. <laughs> and then the Lord told me one day, he said, you know, every time you say that, Satan going to make sure that that person continuously gets on your nerves. I remember when the people in the ministry was coming for me so bad a couple of years ago when I started coming out with serious truth they never heard it before. Oh, they was coming for me. And I used to say, you're getting on my nerves. Oh, I'm not going to deal with you no more because you're getting on my nerves, right? And then that person would just just bother me. Like if they got a hold of my email, they would keep emailing me or they keep going there, going there. So I have to just learn how to block them in different ways, right? And, and then they'll wait six months later and creep their way back in with a false email or something like that. They, then I find out who it is again. I go through it with them again, right? And the Lord was like, if you stop saying that they are getting on your nerves, then the enemy cannot make them get on your nerves. God said, I don't like when you say that, that people getting on your nerves. I don't like that. Learn to stop saying it. And I even told my my good friend Pat about it. I was like, God said we shouldn't be saying that no more. 
So those of you who saying that, like I used to say, you know, you're getting on my doggone nerve, you know, <laughs> you better stop, rebuke yourself. Because every time you say it, he's going to make sure that person or somebody else is going to get on your nerves. Now, nerves define strain of a body tissue that connects the brain with other body parts. So when someone gets on your nerves, they cause the brain to come under bondage and control to a lesser or greater degree. So when you allow someone to irritate you, frustrate you, stress you, and get on your nerves, guess what they just did? They gave you the spirit of bondage. So when someone's acting a fool, I say talking out their neck, acting crazy, you need to cut the conversation or walk away. Like I said with my son, I told him, I'm hanging up on you, but I'm going to tell you bye. Click. Because I was not going to let him take me there. So we as children of God and as human beings, we have to learn how to be strong. We have to learn how to talk to ourselves. You ain't crazy if you talk to yourself. You're, you're your best friend besides God and the Ruach and the Holy Spirit. So if you want to talk to yourself inside or if you want to talk out loud, go right ahead. Whoever thinks you're crazy, oh, well, that's their problem. But you need to learn how to talk within yourself and say, you know what? You know what? I'm not going to keep hearing this. Mm-mm. No, I'm about to cut this. I'm going to tell them, you know what? We just can't get along right now. We just are not agreeing right now. So we got to cut this, and we got to come back at a later time after we had time both to ponder on this and talk about it. Then you talk about it again. The same thing happened again. Okay, got to go. <laughs> got to go. Because if you keep going through this frustration, stress, and, and and them getting on your nerves and so forth like that, they're going to bring the spirit of bondage and control. And, and and they're going to have control of you. You want to know why? Because some people can't even go to sleep at night because they're so stressed out because of an argument or because of what someone said to them or because someone is mocking them or slandering them. They can't even get no sleep. So when you find yourself not being able to go to sleep because of somebody else, they have control over you. And they've also seized you and put you in bondage through the devil. So we should not be giving anybody control over us but God. And no one should have us in bondage at all. We should only be submitted to God. So if you have someone in your life that's putting you in bondage, causing you to lose sleep, you got to let them go. You have to let them go, and you have to pray for them to get healed. And until they do, they ain't getting back in because they have a habit of wanting to control you and put you in bondage. They're manipulating you. They're purposely getting on your nerves. They're purposely frustrating you. They're purposely trying to cause you stress because they know they can control your emotions. That's a manipulator. People will purposely get on your nerves and frustrate you so bad and bend your own will to make you do something you don't want to do. Vex, the word vex, V. E-X-E-D, in Hebrew, is spelled B-A-H-A-L. It means trembling within, troubled, distressed, annoyed, or to disturb, and to be upset or nervous. People can vex you and cause these things in you, bring these demons in you. Control spirits operate when a person gets on your nerves, causing you to lose your peace of mind. They will vex you. And you got people who purposely do that. They will antagonize you. You can become so upset that you lose the ability to sleep. You get insomnia, assessing your body. That's a spirit. Begins to simultaneously become weakened. Brings the spirit of weakening you. 
When this happens, you will become irritable, angry, hard to talk to, and at least things gets on your the least little thing gets on your nerves. If this continues, the person will be attacked by a host of spirits that will change their life and their whole personality. Read Psalms four eight. And Psalms six six says, I'm weary with my groaning all night. Make I water my couch with tears. Six seven. My eyes is consumed because of my grief. It waxed old because of all my enemies. Witches, I've dealt with many. <laughs> Their whole intent is to control you and put you in bondage. The attack, they attack you from east, south, north, and west, back to back. They want to give you the spin of insomnia. They want to vax you. They want to make you wax in your bones. Because their ultimate game is to weaken you to get in and take you over. David was under so much grief and sorrow by his enemies that he was groaning and crying all night long. Weary with my groaning means to become exhausted or weakened because of grief. Psalm 66, I'm worn out with pain every night. My pillow is wet with my tears. Those who are hurt emotionally until they cry for long periods can open the door to spirits of infirmity that will attack the body to destroy it. David and Job both experienced grief and sorrow that caused their them get them eye trouble. David and Joseph and Job had eye trouble, but God healed both of them when they came out of it. Six, seven, my eyes is consumed because of grief. It waxed them all because of all my enemies. They're telling you they were, Job and David were becoming blind, physically blinded, because they cried so much. But God healed them both. David suffered consumptions of the eyes, which is a manifestation of the eyes wasting away or aging or not being able to see because of grief and sorrow. Consume means to shrink, fail, eat, or use up. This is what constant grief and sorrow can do to a person. And I've had to go through a lot of grief, and I've gained a lot of weight in the past five years. I'm losing it slowly, but I've gained a lot of weight because of grief. Where did my grief come from? Ministry. (laughs) Dealing with demons. My own demons. Well, I don't like to say my own demons. I repeat that. Demons I was dealing with that God delivered me from. And then I would help people get get attacked. And And that still happens to me sometimes. I'll pray for somebody. And they're dealing with treacherous demons. And I know they're dealing with treacherous demons, but I'm so bold in God. You know, and I say, God, can I pray for a person? And he tell me, yeah. And I bind up everything, you know, and they're still trying to attack me. But if I but if I didn't ask God permission, if I didn't bind up the atmosphere and so forth, didn't pray and all of that, the attack would have been worse. They'll attack my finances. They'll try to attack my body with something. Or they'll attack my kids. Or when I'm sleeping at night, something comes in trying, trying to fight me, and I got my sword. Like like that, that that crazy spirit that tried to come to me, I told y'all about on YouTube. I don't know where that machete came from. I have a machete in my head. I told that darn thing. I said, if you come to me, I'm going to cut you into pieces. I'm going to murder you. I'm going to kill you. And it was like, you know, grandma. And I was like, you you get to step it. Because if you come over here, I'm going to use this machete. I'm going to kill you. That's exactly what I said to it. And it came to me because I was helping somebody. I was helping somebody. I was helping somebody the other day that had such a strong demon. Daddy told me, you know what? I don't want you to cut them off. I want you to distance yourself from them. Because he just told me, something ain't right. That's what he told me. He didn't want me to know exactly what was going on. But he was like, something not right. 
He told me, he said, I don't want you to cut them off, and I want you to still pray for them, but I want you to distance yourself from them. Because I said, Daddy, for six, seven years, every time I pray for this person, why do I get attacked in all kinds of ways? This is ridiculous. Aren't I a child of the most high? Aren't I covered in the blood? What kind of demon is this person dealing with after seven years? And he broke it down to me. And he told me why this person is dealing with it. He said, but you shut your mouth. You be quiet. And distance yourself. No more. Distance yourself. And that's exactly what I did. And when I did it, it felt like such a weight off of me. I felt like like 60 pounds came off of me. I wish it did, but it felt like it. I'm serious. Sometimes there's just some people that God will tell you to withdraw. He will tell you to stop praying because what they're dealing with is strong, and, and, and the person themselves is, is, is something ain't right there. And that's where your discernment has to come in because, because emotionally he was jacking me up. I love this person with all my heart, and I want to help this person. I want him to get delivered. But I'm like, Daddy, I'm fed up. I'm fed up. I just prayed for them and got attacked right afterwards. I said, Daddy, I'm fed up. Every time I pray for them, the same thing happened to me. I, I don't pray for so many people, and this never happens to me. But when I pray for this one, this always happens. I said, them some strong demons. <laughs> and he told me, and he told me what was going on. He said, withdraw. He said, you know, don't run from them, but withdraw. So that's what I did. And it hurt my heart to do that. And I, and I don't know if the person realizes or not that's what I was doing, but, you know, I have to do what God say don't, you know, because it's not fair to me. I'm praying and I keep getting attacked and something ain't right in, in the person, you know what I mean? And if people will do that, they're not living right. And then how you come pray for them, and then you're getting attacked because you irritated the demon. But then you find out there's something in them. That this is why they can't get deliverance. And every time you pray for them, they're going to come for you. Like, I ain't no punk, y'all. For real. I'm no punk. But I'm telling you, even the strongest of the strongest don't want to be attacked anymore. Constantly, every time I pray for somebody, that, that certain person, you don't want to keep going through that. You got your breaking points. You can't be really bad, but all the time you got to sit back and, and, and be humble. Be like, look, you know what, Daddy? I can't handle that demon. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. I don't want to. You got to be honest. Can't be gun ho because you get jacked up for real. Now, I'm almost ending this. <laughs> now, um, so, yeah, a lot of y'all didn't know that about Job and David, about their eyes and stuff. Now, so, um. Your eyes get weakened and get red from grief. This is why when people cry too much, their eyes get red. That means they're getting weakened from grief. Your health is broken from sorrow. You're pining and wasting away with grief. Years are drained off of your life. Do you know that people die early because of severe grief, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, let somebody get on their nerves, frustrate them, stress them, and causing them to have anxiety could cause you to have ulcers, all kinds of stuff. So we got to take care of ourselves emotionally, guys. Um, it can um, sin, it sin can, it can make you, it can make you sin. Like, like you used to could be a, per, a person that used to cuss your butt off, right? And 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 God and God and you know God deliver you of that, right? And years go by, right? 
and this person is getting on, mm, I ain't going to say the word, right? All of a sudden, the curse word come out your mouth, and you catch yourself. What? Oh, you just do something. It could cause you to sit, right? Your bones are consumed or stooped with sorrow and pain. You got stomach troubles, like I said, because um, ulcer causes grief. Anybody dealing with ulcers, that's grief, right? Now, you can read Lamentations 515. Um, and you can read Lamentations 517, because 515 says, The joy of our heart is ceased, is ceased, our dance is turned into mourning. Um, for this our heart is faint, for these things our eyes are dim. The heart of Israel was faint. Now, faint means cowardly, spiritless, or weak and dizzy. Constant grief can cause the heart to be weak and bring about heart failure and even death. Have you heard of a person dying of a broken heart? We hear that a lot. We hear that a lot. You know, um, Psalms 55.3, because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, but they cast inequity upon me, and then wrath, they hate me. Psalms 55.4, my heart is sore, pained within me, and the sorrows and, terror, and, the, sorrows and the terror and death, uh, and death have fallen upon me. Now, this is the end. Another spirit that can work along with grief to destroy the heart is the spirit of terror, of death. Some people are afraid of death. Those who are afraid of death have not yet met God. Because <laughs> if you have met God, when I say you have met God, I mean you have met God, you know, intimately. If you have met God in- intimately, you will not be afraid to die. You'll be happy to go when it's your time, especially if you live it right and you know you ain't, it's a good possibility you don't got to have to come back here. You'll be happy to go, all right? But if you fear death, that's the spirit of terror of death, you, you, you'll die. Okay, and you probably have to come back. Now, this spirit will use pain, oppression, depression, fear, wrath, and hatred from your enemy to cause the heart to physically feel pain. When praying for those who have pain in the heart, um, t- take authority over their spirits of pain, terror, hurt, broken heartness, and command the heart to be healed. So in the name of Jesus, Jesus anybody who's listening to the sound of my voice now live or in archives, um, that has and people on YouTube, Facebook, and so forth, and my blogs, that has the spirit of terror of death, where you have a broken heart. I command your heart to be healed right now. I command God to remove the stony things on your heart and remove the pressure off of your heart and remove these spirits off of your heart so you will not die but live to see the works of the Lord. And God will see the works of, the, of you through his eyes in Yeshua's name. And I command healing over your heart, my heart, and anybody who's listening, our family's heart, even the wicked ones in our family, because they're wicked because they got broken hearts. Uh, in the name of Yeshua, Jesus. And I still as prayer to bless you. And there'll be no time going to get me or anybody else who's listening to this. If so, it is canceled out. It'll never come nigh. It'll go right back to the center of billionfold pentum in Yeshua's name. And Father God, thank you for healing our hearts and our family members' hearts. And I thank you for... <clears throat> This deliverance that you have given everybody, and it included me when you first taught me about it. And um, I know that many people have gotten deliverance tonight and will continue through this week to get deliverance and will have mighty testimonies to give out to you and to others, Father. And I give you glory, Father Adonai, Yahweh, Testify, Elohim, and the Ruach of this, and Yahushua, Yeshua, Jesus. And Yeshua, Jesus' name, sealed, and your seal is sealed in the blood of Yeshua. So now there is a part two to this. <clears throat> which I will probably squeeze in next Tuesday. I will definitely try to squeeze in next Tuesday, for real. Next Tuesday I will try my hardest. I will try my hardest. 
If not, it'll be the following Tuesday. All right, so I have to go now. I took up all my time. I can't talk to people. There's only three minutes left. So I have to go now. So um, we will talk either next Tuesday on here or or the following Tuesday. And may God be with us all, and God bless you. And I look forward to hearing some testimonies in Yeshua's name. Shalom. This is not an ad. It's an invitation. Join Minister Rosalind Solomon each week on the new podcast, The Prophetic Mantle Radio Show. She talks about spiritual wellness and other inspirational subjects that will brighten up your day. Hey, and while you're at it, make sure you add her music to your playlist. Inspirational music by Rosalind Solomon and The Prophetic Mantle Radio Show, Food for the Soul. Music and podcast now available on Spotify. Welcome to the Prophetic Mantle Radio Show with your host, Apostle Rosalind Solomon. Every Tuesday, 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, come learn the mystery of God and be blessed in Jesus' name.